There's so much going on in the spirit that I pray that God will open our eyes to see. There's so much pain. You see people, they look at you and they talk to you and you can see the pain and the hurt and the brokenness. And you're saying, God, who will go to these people and show the love of Christ to them? We are the ones. We are the ones that will do it. Amen? Oh, Lord, help me this morning. Luke chapter 17. Last week we started on a a sermon, Ready or Not, Here He Comes. And I think this is such a message that we need in the times that we are in. Oh, before I go into that, Michael, please, would you stand up? Michael Murray lost his mother yesterday. Please, after service, just hug his neck. He's also asking for help. The mom didn't have funeral expense insurance, so they are wanting us to please people that can help no matter how much, just to bless him so they can have the funeral and do what they need to do, okay? Please stretch your hands. Let's pray for him and his family. Father, we thank you for the blessing that Michael is to this body, Lord. We thank you for the man of God that he is. We thank you that only you will know how to comfort him. I know how much he loves his mother and how much he has been there for her, wanting everybody in his family to come to know you. Lord God, I thank you because even as he does the funeral, as he conducts it and does everything, you will speak through him and that even through this event, People will come to know your, your saving grace and, and come to the arms of Jesus. Comfort him and his dear wife and family, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, provide every money they need for the funeral expenses. Lord, use us to be a blessing to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 30. And as it was in the days of Noah... So it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it was also in the days of Lot. Again, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The days of Noah and as in the days of Lot. They carried on life as usual. Nothing changed. There was no sign that something was going to happen. But something happened. Amen? Luke chapter 19, verses 12 and 13. Therefore he said, A certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. He was coming back. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, Do business till I come. Do business. There is a business I want you to do, and I've given you these minas, these talents, these gifts, because I want you to do business with them. 
until I come back. I am coming back. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 10 to 14. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives should you live? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. That's what I'm talking about. We can hurry it along. Because the Bible says until the gospel is preached to every man, the end will not come. So we are the ones holding back Jesus from coming. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire. And the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised us. We are looking forward to a world filled with righteousness. And so, my dear friends, while we are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found, living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. Sometimes you just read the scriptures and just let it talk. Sometimes you don't even have to add anything. Just read the scriptures, let it talk to you. We are the ones we are talking, the Bible is talking to right here. Last week we talked about the fact that without a doubt, Jesus is coming back. He said it with his own mouth. And we've seen in the Bible that every prediction, every prophecy that was spoken, no single one of them has not come to pass. Jesus himself told us that we should look for the sign of Noah and for the sign of Lot. Because although even he himself, he doesn't know the exact day, no angel knows, no man knows, only God has that knowledge of the exact day. But Jesus said there will be signs. And the first sign he told us was the sign of Noah. He told us also of the sign of Lot and also the sign of deception. And last week we talked about deception and started with Lot. We talked about Lord being a righteous man. The Bible says that he was just. He was perfect. And that perfect man blameless. Doesn't mean he didn't, do, he didn't have sin in his life or he didn't do stuff bad, but he walked as much as he could before God. And then the Bible talked that Noah walked with God. And I told you last week, when you walk with God, you are in sync with him. You hear him. You feel him. His thoughts are your thoughts. His heartbeat is your heartbeat. That's how we walk with God. And now we found out that Noah was able to save just his family. God gave him instructions. He heard God for himself. He didn't need a prophet to tell him what God said. He didn't say, I dreamt, and that's what he followed. He heard the word of the Lord, and he followed exactly what God told him to the T on how to build the ark. And for a hundred years, this man preached and he could only lead his family into the ark. Nobody listened. They made fun of him. They mocked him for a hundred years. But the word of the Lord came to pass. And so today we are going to look at the days of Lot. 
That was another indicator that Jesus gave us. He says, as the days of Lot, just like the days of Noah, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage, they were building, they were doing business. Is it wrong to do those things? No. Jesus, God himself instituted the, 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 the marriage institution. That was the first thing he did. So he's not saying that marriage or eating or drinking or doing business is, is wrong. But he's saying all our focus should not be on gratification of the flesh. Amen. On living for pleasure. Looking for the bigger house and the bigger car. And the more money in the account. That is good, but you must not live your life only for that. That's what he's trying to tell us here. But what differentiated Lot and the days of Lot from the days of Noah? Genesis chapter 13 verse 13. I'm going to say some things this morning that are pretty harsh. They might not put me on Facebook, but we're going to say it. Because it needs to be said. Amen? Genesis chapter 13 verse 13. He says, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So what made God say that Sodom was wicked and exceedingly evil? Let's just look at the name, the meaning of Sodom. Sodom is Sodomy. You all know what that means, right? Their very city was named after their lifestyle. And we can see that, when we get to the scripture, how they all, the city, everybody in the city, every man in the city, the Bible says both old and young, when the angels came to take Lot out, all of them came to Lot's house and said, bring them out so that we can have sex with them. That was the sin of Sodom. Homosexuality. Let's see what the Bible says about homosexuality. Let's see. Because that was the sin that made God to destroy Sodom. Let's see what it says in Leviticus chapter 18 verse 32, 22. It says, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. I'm just going to read three scriptures for you. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. And it says their blood shall be upon them. This is Bible, this is scripture. I didn't make this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9. Do you not know that the righteous, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, do not be deceived. Again, we are talking about deception. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor Sodomites. Genesis chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. But before they retired for the night, talking about the angels that God sent to save Lot, to take Lot and his family out, 
before they retired for the night, all the men, all of them, all, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. All the men of the city, all young and old, came just for two men. Can you see the outcry and the evil that is? That the society, it was so accepted that every man in that city thought it was something good to do. And then Lot did something, to be honest with you, when I was doing this study, when, the Bible, when he said so, uh, Lot was righteous, I said, well... I dug and dug to see why God would say he was righteous. But Lord offered the men his two daughters, virgin girls, and said, I'll bring them out, do what you want to do with them. But not these men that God that have come to, to visit with me. So what does that tell you? Does that not tell you the level of depravity that was in that society? This was what God saw. This was what caused God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And what do we see today? I mean, as I'm talking, just make parallels with what we are seeing in our time. Where it's been forced down our throats, it's been forced down our children. You go to schools now, kids that are in elementary grade are confused because of what they have been taught. And they are wanting it to be widespread and to be accepted. As in the days of Lot. As in the days of Lot. Second Peter chapter 2 verses 6 to 8. I told you this would be a kind of strong one today. Later, that's the New Testament now. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to ungodly people. This is scriptures. I mean, I hope this is, I, I don't know, I hope it's really the weight that I'm hoping it will carry, is carrying the weight. Because God has not left us in ignorance. The scripture has not left us in, in ignorance about sin and depravity and evil, what God calls evil. We, we can say it's good all we want to say, but God says the sin of Sodom was exceedingly evil and wicked in his sight. We cannot change the mind of God when it comes to what he calls evil. The word might call evil good, but to God is still evil. And the word might call us evil, but to God we are still good and we are still righteous. He says, but God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man. And I believe this was why. Because Lot was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. So Lot still had a conscience. And I believe that's why God called him righteous. He still had a conscience. He was the only person in that, in that town that said, 
this is evil. Don't do this. This is evil in the sight of God. He still felt that they, they were sinning against God. And that's what, as believers, we should also maintain. Don't let anybody pressure you, even if the person is standing behind a pulpit, to tell you that, no, don't let your conscience prick you when you hear or when you see these things or when you want to talk about it or talk against it. Because we are seeing it now, the deception, where ministers, pastors, are standing behind the pulpit and saying, God created people that way. How can God create somebody that way and say it's exceedingly wicked and sinful? How can God contradict his word? The Bible says God and his word are one. He cannot say that none of these people will inherit the kingdom of God, go to heaven, if he created them that way. You see how the enemies will come and lie to us? But one thing though, that we must remember, Lot and the people of Sodom had Abraham interceding for them. We are not saying we hate people who have that lifestyle. Please, no. That's not what I'm saying. Hear my heart. I'm saying that God does not want anyone to perish. I'm saying that it is God's desire to save every man and every woman. But I'm also saying that we believers must, must watch against deception. And we must make sure our children know these scriptures. They know this truth because this is what they are facing. In school and in the community, most of us, the way we were raised is not what our children are facing. And we must have the scriptures to tell the children, listen, this is what the Bible says, honey. This is what the scriptures say. So if your friends in school tell you, oh, this is normal, they were born that way. Honey, can you show them these scripture verses? And teach your children. Because they are the ones that can reach those people too. Where is Jonathan? No, Benjamin. I said Jonathan. Where is Benjamin? Benjamin is 14 years old, a member of this church. Last week, or about a month ago, he came to me and said, Pastor Angela, I want to start a Bible study every two weeks in my school. They had the first one on Wednesday. Benjamin, come here. Sorry, I'm putting you on the hot seat, honey. This young man, 14 years old, had a Bible study at his, at his school, middle school, and 25 kids show up for the first time. 25 young people showed up. And from what I heard, by the time he was done preaching, some were crying. I went to him and said, when are we going to do it again? So he's going to be doing that every two weeks at a middle school. Don't we want that? That's what I'm talking about. We can raise the children that can go in there where we cannot go. When he wrote and told his principal, I want to do this, it's a Bible club. He's the student. We didn't say we want to do it. The parents didn't say they want to do it. If he came from a student, the school cannot say no. We can tell our children that. That's why I'm saying this. I'm not here to bash anybody. I'm not here to say some people are sinners. God does not hate anybody who, who practices sin. God just hates the sin. And we must hate the sin as passionately as God hates the sin. That's what God was saying. Abraham interceded. 
He started from 100 people. God, if there be 100 people, when God showed him that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, if there's 100 people, God, please, will you spare the city? And God said, yes. If you can find 100 people, and he went down to, the, to, to, to how many, 80 or how many, I don't remember the, the sequence of the numbers, until he got to, I think, 10 people. And God said, yes. For those number of people in that whole city, I will not destroy it. And yet, they didn't have enough. They didn't have those number of people. Even Lot himself, it's only his two daughters that were saved. His sons-in-law, the, 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 the husbands of the daughters, were mocking at him when he told them fire was going to come. The Bible says they thought he was, he was joking. Can you see what evil can do? That's why I'm bringing this message. That we have to remember that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And he's coming back for those who are waiting and ready for him. And there are things that he expects us who say we believe in him to do. And that's to make sure we bring as many people in as we can. We don't hate the sinners. We don't hate homosexuals. We don't hate liars. The sin of homosexuality is not like up there and you that lie, your sin is down here. No, it's sin, it's sin, it's sin, it's sin. But we're just saying there are things in the society that are being, pos- being promoted by the enemy to destroy our children especially. And we have to fight. We can't just lay down and just accept these things. We cannot. So how do we prepare for the end? Now that we know Jesus is coming, the scriptures have told us, how do we as believers prepare for the end? Second Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. It says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for the hastening of the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The first thing we must do is we have to be joyful. We have to be joyful. Luke chapter 21 verse 28 in the Amplified. He says, now when these things begin to occur, the signs of the time, when you begin to see them and we are seeing them, we are seeing the earthquakes, we are seeing the famines, we are seeing the wars and the rumors of war, we are seeing the pestilences. We just went through one, COVID. We are seeing all those things. The scripture says, Jesus said, now when these things begin to happen, stand tall. And lift up your heads in joy because your suffering ends as your redemption is drawing near. So you know, the, the end times will be terrifying. Though we are going to have so many things, horrible things begin to happen. Jesus tells us when we see these things, it's not for us to be sad. It's not for us to bow our head down. He says, look up and be joyful. He says, look up and be joyful. Lift your head to heaven with hope. 
Knowing that Jesus is coming soon and knowing that the time is near. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm, I'm ready to go to heaven. I'm ready for him to come. I'm ready for that sound, for that trumpet sound. To rend that heavens and for him to appear in the clouds. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Some young people say, oh no, Pastor Angela, I want to get married first. <laughs> I want to do, believe me, heaven, you, you, you won't even compare heaven. There's nothing here to compare with what heaven is like. The joy you have there would be a million, trillion, quadrant points more than marriage. <laughs> Hallelujah. So be, be joyful. Don't, 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 don't be stressed out. Let these things happen. And that's why when we see all these things, when I see Christians, fear, unbelief, doubt, I'm like, no. God told us these things will happen. We should expect, like I said last week, he said it's like birth pangs, labor pains. When labor starts, it only gets worse. The pains intensify. And the time between contractions becomes shorter and shorter and shorter until that baby is born. So all the things we are seeing now is only going to get worse, I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry to say. It's going to get worse. But we know the story. We've already read the end of the book. We know where it's going to end, right? So we are not like those who don't have the information that we have. So we can be joyful knowing that the, the, the more intense it is, the more we can be joyful knowing that the end is drawing near. Amen? Amen. Number two, be serious. Be sober and be temperate. First Peter chapter 4 verse 7. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. There are three things there I want to bring out real quickly. It says be serious. That word there means to be sober and to be temperate. So be self-restrained in things you do. Put restraints, put boundaries on the things you do. Because the Bible says nobody knows the time. It says in the twinkle of an eye. And I told you last week we blink in a day 20,000 times. And in one of those little blinks, here he comes. Whether you are ready or not, he's going to come. And so because of that, because you don't know the time, you don't know the blink, make sure you are temperate. Make sure you are sober-minded. Make sure your thoughts are always focused on the things of God. Guard yourself against any sin. Be wakeful, be awake all the time. Don't don't fall asleep. Because the gravity of this, nobody you don't want to miss, nobody wants to remain during the tribulation. Believe me, if you read what the scripture says will happen during the tribulation, I hope you know that the 666, we will not be here when that happens. I hope you all know that. Because when you read some of these things, some of those, when they begin to, we will be out of here. It's those that remain will have to deal with those things. So make sure you are not one of those. Be temperate in the pursuits of your life. Money is good, but let money take its place in the things of God. 
You have the money. Don't let the money have you. Because when you turn that around, that's where the trouble is. Money is good. The Bible says money answers all problems. Money is good, but if the money now has you, and the money is now controlling you, telling you what to do, that's the problem. God will bless you and give you money to do what He wants you to do. Not for the money to now control you and tell you what to do. Amen? And then provide for eternity. Plan for eternity. We are good at planning, you know. We plan for retirement. We plan for our children's college education uh, uh, fees. We plan where we want our children to go to school. And so we buy a house in that subdivision because we want our kids. Or we plan this or we plan that. But how are we planning for eternity? What are you putting away in the bank of eternity? Because the Bible says here, when that fire comes, it's going to melt and burn everything up. The only thing that we will have is what we have in our our account in heaven. So with that in view, make sure you are putting stuff in that account that will not be burnt away. That will not melt away when the fire comes. Live for eternity. Live with a view of eternity. Even if Christ tarries and you live to be a hundred years, it's just what? It's a stop sign. Our whole life is a stop sign. When you stop there, you look right, you look left, right again, and then you go. That's the the whole sum of our lives is a stop sign. And so make sure you are not doing everything you do for that stop sign. Because compared to eternity, our lives is not even one second. Amen? And then it says, be watchful in your prayers. When things begin to happen, don't panic. Don't be stressed out. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is the place. God has given us the prayer. Our prayer life is where we can distress ourselves. When you go in afraid, when you go in stressed out, when you go in fearful, when you go in in doubt and you step before the Lord in prayer, You come back strong. You come back energized. You are like a little kitten, a little cat that goes in. And then when you come out, you are like a lion. Ready to take on what the challenges may be. Ready to face whatever the enemy brings in front of you. That's what prayer does. And a man or a woman who doesn't kneel and pray before the Lord, that's the highest level of pride. Because pride says, I have what it takes to do it myself. Pride says, I don't need God to direct me. Pride says, I don't need God to do for me. I can do it myself. That is pride. A man, a woman who doesn't praise the most prideful man on earth. Humility is not the person who doesn't wear good things or doesn't make up. Or, no, that's not humility. Humility is the person that can kneel before the Lord and say, Lord, without you I can't do this. Without you, I'm absolutely nothing. I need you for even the breath that I take. That is what prayer is for us. And the Bible says, be watchful in your prayer life. 
Because if you are not watchful, you are going to be like everybody else. The fear, the panic will set in and you take your eyes away from the promises of God. You will take your eyes away from looking for Him to come and take you home. Amen? He said, be watchful. When good things happen, when bad things happen, when you're fearful, when you're scared out of your wits, go to Him in prayer. Go to Him in prayer. These times we are in, if you don't pray, you will not survive. It's not a joke. If you're not a prayerful person, stress will kill you in the times you are in. Really. Number four. Fervent love. <laughs> this one here is a, it's a big one. First Peter chapter 4 verse 8. It says, above all things. Above all things. Above being serious. Above being sober. Above prayer. Above speaking in tongues. Above being a pastor. Above being whatever you are in the body of Christ. It says, above all of those, have fervent love for one another. Because Jesus himself said, how can you say you love God who you don't see, but you can't stand a brother or a sister who you see? He says, by our love that we know that we are the children and that we are the servants of God, that we are followers of Christ. So that's why God put a priority about loving our brethren, our brothers and sisters. He says, above all things, above it all. And the kind of love he's telling us to have for people, for our fellow brothers and sisters, is unconditional love. Unconditional love, whatever they have done, whatever they have said, Above all things, show them love. We just went through, uh, still working on the series on Wednesday, but the, God's love. It is so important. You know why? Because offense, again, like I said, is going to lead many people. Or rather, it's already happening, leading many people astray. And God even went a little step further. He says, <laughs> not only are you to have fervent love for one another, He says that love must cover their sins. Do you know what he's talking about here? He's saying that when somebody offends you, when somebody hurts you, when somebody betrays you, when somebody talks evil about you and you know, don't pick up the phone and call Sister Michelle. Do you know what this person did? Do you know, please pray with me. He says no. He says pray for that person, forgive them, and then cover it. Cover it. Don't go telling anybody about it. How hard is that? <laughs> so they dug me out. And I heard it behind. They didn't know I was coming around the corner when they were talking about me. And I heard it. And you're saying, not only do I forgive them, but I can't tell anybody else. When I want to pick up the phone, I call Teresa. and said, Teresa, did you hear what Pastor Mike said? So I can't even do that. That's what he's saying. Now you see why he says above all. It's easy easy to pray. For people that pray, that's no big deal. If you don't pray, you start to feel that 
God begins to whip you, right? <laughs> you know that you, you need your air. Prayer is like air. So if you don't pray for a couple of days, you can't breathe even. So you know you must pray. You know reading the word of God, you, you have to. But do you know how hard it is when somebody offends you and you can't even say anything about it? That's the standard. No wonder Jesus, even after they killed him, Stephen, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Excuse me, they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. They were killing me. They don't know what they were doing. That's what God is asking of us. That's the kind of love God wants us to have for one another. Cover each other's sin. If a Christian person falls or does something, you're not the one to spread it. I hated it when they, I had a pastor that, that, that fell, into some, fell into sin. It was Christians, members of the church. I got like in that Monday, that thing came out on Sunday. By Monday, my phone was, everybody, oh, did you hear what happened to Pastor? I'm like, excuse me, that is not your job. We are so quick when our Christian brother or sister is down, we are the ones that go and beat them even further down. I'm sorry to say, but this has to be said. We are the ones that will pick up the phone. Did you hear what Pastor Angela did? Did you hear what Sister Joy did? What happened to Pastor Roy? Not because you want to pray, because it makes you feel good that they are hurting. And that's evil. That's evil. That is evil. Don't, don't take joy in somebody's pain. That is the most evil thing anybody can do. Don't feel big because somebody, God is dealing with somebody. God, you don't know when your own is coming to. These are the things we have to talk about in church. You can't be happy when somebody is not doing well. You can't rejoice when your brother is down. We are supposed to lift each other up. We are supposed to pray. We are supposed to cover each other. That's what this is all about. I can't rejoice because things are not going well for you. Oh, yeah, he's not in church. That's why God... No. Who are we to judge? So I say, above all things... Above all things, have fervent. When you say the word fervent, look at the meaning. Burning, hot. You can't put it out. It's there, constant. Have that kind of love one for another. And then cover each other's sin. Cover each other's sin. Then finally, number five. I'm going to read first. I put First Corinthians chapter three. The, 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 the passage on love. So I can just use this to, to, to really nail that thing on love. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but don't have love, I have become a sounding brass. You're just making noise. Or a clanging cymbal. The Bible, uh, uh, there's a saying that says, The empty vessels make the loudest noise. If you don't have love, that's what the Bible says you are. And although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and, and though I have all the faith that I could remove mountains, but I'm mean, I'm hateful, I can't forgive, 
and quick to gossip and backbite and stab people. The Bible says you are nothing. And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but see a sister and turn my face away and pretend like I didn't see them, to greet them, it profits me nothing. That's what the Bible, that's the, that's the, that's the importance, the priority of love. And then finally, number five, keep living for God. Luke chapter 19, verses 12 to 13. Therefore, Jesus now said, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten minas and said to them, do business till I come. Do business till I come. Every one of us here, we've been given minas, which means talents or gifts. Every one of us here was sent for a purpose. Every one of us here has an assignment that has been given to you. And Jesus is telling you before he comes, do business for him with what he has given you. We are going to keep preaching. We are going to keep leading people to the Lord. We are going to keep evangelizing. We are going to keep doing the work that God has placed in our hands. We are not going to say, oh, because Jesus is coming back, we are not going to have a job. We are not going to do things again. We are going to now build a, a, a bunker and go stay there and, and, and get all the canned foods and store the canned foods and just sit there and do nothing like some people are doing. We're not going to do that. Because he says, keep doing business. If you're, if you're doing a job, keep doing it. If you're a businessman, keep doing your business. If you're preaching, keep preaching. If you're evangelizing, keep evangelizing. If you're worshiping and singing, keep doing it. Keep doing business for him. There are still souls to be saved. If he comes today, there are those that will go to hell. But maybe if he comes next year, you have done your business. Some of those souls, we have snatched them from hell. Amen? Keep doing business until I come. Don't bury your minas. Don't bury your talent. Don't let your assignment be given to somebody else. Do business till I come. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you don't even know Jesus, all these things I'm saying are just strange and foreign to you. You don't know Him. You've never accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. I hope I have spoken through scriptures. God has spoken to you this morning. Jesus is coming back. Even if he tarries one day, you will wake up in the morning. That night, you will be in the mug. That's the truth. It's going to happen. He's either going to come for you, or you are going to meet him face to face when you die. So if you're here, every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're here, you don't know Jesus. You've never accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Please just raise your hands up quickly and put it down. And if you're watching on television in Africa, in Europe, wherever you're watching, if you don't know Jesus Christ, today is your day of salvation.
Today is your day to make it right with God. Today is your day to give your heart and your life to Jesus. If you are watching by your TV, just raise your hands if you are by yourself. If you are there as a family, call all your children, call your husband, call your wife. And stand in front of your TV saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want everybody here and those watching to say after me, Dear Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I confess, O oh God, that I am a sinner and I accept the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from my sins. Today, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you that my name is now written in the book of life. And then if you are here today, you know you've not been living right. You know you've not placed emphasis on the things of God. It's all been about things, about this life that we fade away. And if you're saying today, I want Lord to be closer to you. I want to rededicate my life to you. I want you again, just as your head is bowed and your eyes are closed. I want you to raise your hand and say, Lord, I rededicate my life. I rededicate my heart to you. I will follow you closely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will follow after you hard after you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I thank you for these souls, for these, your children that have raised their hands up. Father God, I ask for grace. I ask for grace over their lives. I ask that you strengthen them on their inner man so they can follow through with their dedication to you today. Father, use them mightily to bring souls into your kingdom. Father, help them to live 100% for you. Lord, we praise and we worship you today. Father, help them. Help us all, oh God. Help us to focus more on you. Everyone standing here before you today. Let us learn, oh God, to focus on the things of the kingdom more on the things of the kingdom and less on the things of the world. By your grace, we know we can do it. And to you be all the praise. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord.